On this episode of Doctor Who's That, we talk about hobo monks, escape rooms, and Vassar College. Hello and welcome back to Doctor Who's That. Today we'll be continuing our mystical journey to find all of the episodes of the Keys of Marinus. <laughs> I am Sean Gleason, your Doctor Who expert. Joining me as always is Andy. I'm Hi, I'm Andy Walker. I'm your Doctor Who semi-expert superfan. And also Bay. Joining you as always, Bay. And I'm here uh, knowing next to nothing. And we have our same guests as we had on the first part. So, Jonathan. Hi, I'm also very new to Doctor Who. I'm getting acquainted with the series and look forward to seeing more of it. And Maggie. Hi, I'm new to Classic Who and I have lady parts, so I bring a new perspective to the podcast. (laughs) So it's been about a week since our last discussion, and I'm sure that we've all had a nice, restful, relaxing week with absolutely <laughs> no major life changes whatsoever. Right, guys? Oh, oh yeah, boy, totally. Yeah. Oh, wait, we got married? Oh, that but, was a thing. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's relatively minor, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was all right. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. Our wedding was amazing. Just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was there, and I, I guess I agree. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty cool. That's what I heard. It was the I most heard. amazing experience of his life. I need to, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fact, we are recording this immediately after. They just said I do two minutes ago. <laughs> we got to sneak in the first World's worst honeymoon. I actually went, we're on our honeymoon, actually, Um, but we have a Wi-Fi connection, which is why we're here. But I wish I had a TARDIS so I could go back and go to my own wedding as a guest. Oh, that would have been pretty awesome. Because I bet it was super fun if you weren't the one getting married and running around the whole time having to do stuff. So (laughs) if anybody can hook us up, that would be pretty rad. (laughs) I mean, just ask Shawnee. Yeah, Shawnee, can we borrow the TARDIS? Eh... Maybe. Okay, well, let's see how we do on these episodes, and then we'll figure it out. I I will say we did have a Doctor Who cosplayer at our wedding, so that was something. (laughs) And we did have a Doctor Who shout-out during one of the toasts. Yeah. Oh, my God. Our Doctor Who cosplayer, by the way, will be joining us for the next serial that we'll be doing. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. You're in for a treat, podcast listeners. (laughs) So, yes, you've heard it here first. I am an extremely harsh taskmaster who is forcing them to record this podcast during their honeymoon. And, you know, I promise you'll get it back once we're done. Okay. You know, it makes for a nice break between the relaxing and the lovemaking. So. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we're happy to be here. Who doesn't want to talk about Doctor Who, especially classic Who? And um, we also, I just also want to address a bit of a technical issue that we had last time. If you didn't notice, Andy kind of vanished partway through. Yeah. Yeah, he was away in Parts Unknown, where it was, you know, about three in the morning. And he kind of just collapsed and literally died (laughs) while we were recording. Fortunately... Dutch have really good paramedics, so I'm back. But yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I just uh, lost, you know, something about that whole transatlantic recording thing just, you know, didn't go right. So I'm glad that I was able to uh, uh, contribute what I did, but I'm back now and back in the good old US of A, and hopefully we will be uninterrupted this time. So. I'll say this, the beginning of uh, the episode that we're talking about first today, The Screaming Jungle, Susan tells the others uh, that she doesn't like to say goodbye, so I just assumed you couldn't take it. Yeah, yeah, just couldn't, and I threw threw myself onto my bed, and I just looked out the window, and I cried listening to Radiohead. (laughs) (laughs) Which I imagine is exactly what Susan would do if she was a companion today. No, she'd be all about the K-pop. Do you think? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. But let's not dive too deep. (laughs) All right, so we're going to uh, get into episode three, The Screaming Jungle. And I just want to note, this is the first episode of the show that aired on BBC One. BBC One, BBC Two. Since BBC Two had just been launched the previous week so this is the first time that there was a bbc one and a bbc two for the show to air on okay so before that it was just bbc it was just bbc now it's on bbc one right now we got to distinguish ourselves all right yeah so i will turn it over to bay to continue our discussion Sure. Well, um, as you remember, uh, the last time, the doctor had decided that he was going to uh, jump forward. About two episodes. (laughs) Yes, several episodes, but also, you know, like uh, several switches on his travel dial and track down one of the other keys in in sequence in a different place on the planet. Uh, Susan jumps ahead, ahead of... Uh, Barbara and Ian, and uh, lands in a jungle. Now, I thought it was kind of interesting. There's nothing particularly sinister uh, about this kind of whispering sound. Uh, I mean, it is kind of eerie, but we realize uh, how frightening it is from Susan's reaction. And when our other protagonists, uh, Ian and Barbara, show up, they ask her about the matter, you know. Um, she says that it was horrible, and they try and reassure her. They're, they're searching around. There's plants everywhere. What I like is that Ian comments, you know, he comments that it's very quiet. I mean, that's kind of a jerk statement there, Ian, yeah. considering right. what, uh, <laughs> what the state Susan was in when you got there. That seems like a legit freak out for her. Like, other times I we've seen her you know, be screen. It's kind of like hysterical. Right. Why right. Is chill, Susan. This time it kind of established, no, this is really terrifying. Look at the effect it's having. 
Yeah, I, 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 that's one of the things that stood out to me as well. Like, you know, a lot of her other, uh, you know, I mean, I, her trademark Susan freakouts, they're apoplectic, right? But this one, like, there was like a lot more subtlety to the performance. And I don't know if, you know, somebody, you know, uh, behind the scenes was like, hey, maybe, you know, play this one a little, you know, less apoplectic. But in, in any case, it was definitely like, it was a lot more subtle. Like, I really enjoyed, uh, her performance there. Mm-hmm. Has any have any of you guys um, seen the movie or read the book The Ruins? Because this whole thing kind of reminded me. Oh, of the ruins. oh yeah, like the Mayan ruins. It's about a group of uh, college students from America go to Mexico and they end up find you know going to explore these ruins and it has it's overgrown with these vines and it turns out the vines are predatory and they can make sound. And it was terrifying. It's by so the guy basically, who wrote a it's this plan. episode. Yeah, except <laughs> like better crafted. But this was first, so yep. shout out, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember uh, the the. Isn't that one of those? Was it like? Is that an Eli Roth movie by any chance? It definitely. I remember seeing it and like thinking to myself at the time, it's like, oh wow, it's like Jungle Saw. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. I think saw. you might be book? thinking of Green Inferno. That one was the Eli Roth. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, you're right. This is a sequel. President Child's novel, right? This was, no. It's the guy, Scott Smith, the guy who wrote A Simple Plan. Ah. Um, I, do, I do get your President Child, though, because I'm a big fan. So I'm like pointing at the microphone like, yes. Yeah, anyway, as I, it's diff, it scared me. I sat in my bed late at night being afraid that Mexican vines were going to crawl up and kill me. So, oh, okay, um, okay. So but, it wasn't the Screaming Jungle that terrified you then? Uh, <laughs> no, no, it was the ruins. But if you enjoy this kind of thing, I would also advise our listeners, you know, that would be something you might want to check out. If you liked the setting. Which wasn't bad. Um, although I, 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 in my notes, I'm like, jungle said not bad. In parentheses, but probably reused. (laughs) Like, they've gotten a lot of mileage. You will see jungles again and again (laughs) and again and again. A lot of times his story is written by Terry Nation because Terry Nation (laughs) loves a good jungle. I'm starting to like this Terry Nation guy. I I, I think I saw on the schedule that the next serial is called the Aztecs. So Mm. I feel like this will come into rotation again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Watch it be totally a desert and no jungle whatsoever. (laughs) That would be so funny. I, I'm sure there's jungles. Well, I know we haven't gotten far into like the recap, but uh, this episode and all of the ones around it kind of, this one the most, it felt like each one was kind of its own little escape room. Yes. yes. That's, a good point. That's a good point. Had to work their way out. And this one, especially because of the booby traps and maybe like, you know, that the, the, the special effects were on par with some escape rooms I've gone to. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> there, there's, yeah, they're, they're trying to unlock a safe to get in, to get the yeah. key to the. Yeah, <laughs> so I call that out very, very specifically. Specific setting. So I just, that was one thing I really liked about the structure of these episodes was it was each one was kind of its own puzzle, its own escape room, and our characters had to figure out. You know, the key both figuratively and literally. I, I will point out in all the escape rooms that you and I have done, Maggie, like there weren't actual death traps. <laughs> I mean, maybe we're just really good at escape rooms. Although I feel like any death trap, quote unquote, that an escape room would dream up would be j- maybe, maybe as intimidating as the one we see here. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, we sh- I'll, I'll hold off until we get to it, but it's... Oh. Now I'm suddenly remembering the movie Escape Room from earlier this year. Nope, we're not talking about that. Nope, (laughs) that's not going to happen. Nope. Okay, what happens when Barbara shows up? 
she and Ian are reassuring Susan. And then Ian decides that he's going to go off and be the hero and tells them, you know, just stay put and do nothing. Oh, is this Um, where the feminism happens? Yes. I loved this part. Okay, but that line was great. It was a great line, except then Susan proves that he needs to do it. So Barbara says (laughs) that, like, she wishes Ian would stop treating them like Dresden, China. Um, and I thought that that was actually pretty cool because she just saved all of them in the last episode, but then she does the stupidest thing. Yeah, but Susan right. gets the best line. It's from this one, right? Where she says, sometimes we you rebel. Um, did Susan say that? I thought... No, because Barbara started speaking. She was saying, you know, it gets really tiring having him tell me what to do all the time. And sometimes dot, dot, dot. And then I think Susan fills in the blank. Somet- sometimes you rebel. Although I do have written down that Susan also says that sometimes it's nice, and I just wrote next to it, damn it, Susan. Yeah. <laughs> Susan. <laughs> you crazy 60s kid. <laughs> I just, sometimes I like to think, I mean, I'm sorry to disrail, uh, derail, but like, I think about it, like, I, I look, watch these episodes, and I wonder, like, what, you know, what I would have, what a viewer of the time would have thought, you know, and it's like, maybe, you know, Back then, you know, the average BBC user was like, my word, she's such an upstart, you know? Like, oh, that's Susan. Such a crazy young child. Is she a rocker or a mod? I mean, <laughs> this is the same time period as the Beatles. So it's like, a, it is like a cultural shift in Britain. Yeah, especially with the youth. At any rate, the ladies were talking and... Um, Susan gives them uh, gives Barbara a little bit of information about uh, what the sound was like. She said uh, it was like tapping and whirring mix up mixed up with screeching, and thought that she had heard it somewhere before. Uh, I had written this down because I thought that it would be important, uh, but they never nope. explain it. No, nope. <laughs> it's uh, just like okay. Uh... That's going to be important. No. This seems like a Terry Nation thing. Yeah. I, I had assumed that there was going to be something about, like, time and, and movement, or I don't know, like, that she's heard something across the ages. <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it didn't really make... I, I waited for the payoff, and there just isn't one. Do we know if there's any cut scenes from any of these episodes? I'm not sure what survived of... Yeah, not that I know of. Well, when when we find out later that uh, the gentleman here, um, uh, but the caretaker for this area, uh, this this jungle, Darius, I just called him um, Hobo Monk. <laughs> when we find out that Darius, the Hobo Monk, uh, was doing experiments on accelerated pr- plant growth, maybe she it, it's like a kind of a Time Lord thing, you know, like she's heard. What it sounds like when plants grow super fast. This is sounding awfully a lot like somebody who knows a little bit more about the series. You should keep a lid on that, newbie. Uh, that's actually very. I think that's probably more insightful than the people who wrote the episode. Actually, yeah, they probably almost say everything Bay says is more insightful than a Terry Nation episode. <laughs> I think Terry Nation was just like, eh. Susan's weird and mysterious. <laughs> yeah. I'll just write have her say this random line. Well, maybe you could also spin it where Susan reacts more emotionally to these things because she's like part beta Z, so she's like very empathic 
Um, and she can like pick up these vibes from the situations they're in. From what I remember, there's like there's a lot. There's certainly like significant amount of uh, retconning and, and yeah, theories the that happen. Yes, yeah. because you know she's obviously she's a time lord, but in you know in reality they still weren't really fully crystallized on the notion of what the show would be yet, right? So. As far as the viewer at home knew, she's just a crazy teenager from another planet, you know. Well, I like my interpretation better because <laughs> at least it makes it, like, explain why she's so off all the time. Yeah. Plus, you know, at some point during the planning process, she was supposed to be somewhat telepathic. Oh. oh. So. Nailed it! <laughs> maybe, maybe nobody told Terry Nation, yeah, we kind of ignored that. Who knows? <laughs> I did have a friend at our wedding who asked me. She said, "Oh, I was surprised you didn't go full Beta Z wedding, which of oh, course God. means that you're nude." <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I always hear, um, you know, Bay's like thoughtful analyses of the episode, and I'm and like I'm always just like, "Oh, no, it's not that sophisticated." But and you're always like, "I just wrote something on a napkin." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I do want to push ahead through this section because there's a lot of really stupid stuff that the kids happening, and um, yeah, we can't forget the statue. uh, Yeah, there's there's what they they say it's a big grotesque statue. Okay, well, let's establish that the setup for this episode. I think the point is the setup for this episode is probably more successful than the execution because we're talking a lot about that. Yeah, setup. And right. Then it's like, eh, you know, and then yeah. So they they have arrived in this new area, and they can see down a hallway that there is a big grotesque statue at the end. Um, it almost looks Aztec or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and there is a micro circuit in the statue with big honking realistic hands coming out the front of it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, Hanna-Barbera arms is what I called them. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they're trying to figure out a way down that. Yeah, it does kind of feel like Scooby-Doo or something. You know, like you've got that that part that isn't cell shaded the rest right, the right. way the rest of everything is. Yeah. I wonder um, if it will move. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course it does. So Barbara sneaks in past some vines that are just there. You know, Barbara. like, I don't know why Ian couldn't have just pushed, but whatever. No. Um, and uh, she didn't want to be China. She was so rad in the last episode. And then she does such a dopey thing like this. So frustrating. So when uh, when she gets down to the end, she climbs up the statue to try and snatch the key off the top of the the head of the statue uh and of course it grabs her butt and, uh, <laughs> and surprising around. no one i mean it's a nice ass so oh, am uh, i allowed to say that sorry you absolutely are i think i don't even know anymore <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to keep it family friendly this is pg these days this is 2018 it's true there's love making there's asses oh gosh yeah i'm not going to be invited back to the podcast (laughs) it's like it's why do they invite these girls in they just like always degrade the the (laughs) podcast and they're so vulgar yeah you should be treating this podcast like fine they're burping into the microphone (laughs) well i know what's coming up in episode four so (laughs) that's true so at any rate uh the, the statue grabs Barbara, it spins around, uh, and 
suddenly when Ian returns, uh, he finds that she's done the one thing that he asked her not to do, anything. Uh, <laughs> so he decides that he's going to uh, stay here and rescue Barbara, uh, suggests to, uh, is it Althos and Sabatha, that, um, yes, that, that they should go on ahead uh, and that he will rescue Barbara and get the micro the key of Marinus. But by the way, here I really liked one of the things I really liked about this section is that um, they kind of they kind of do dig in a little bit to all the like the complicated negotiations that would come from like this kind of like one way travel. You know, it reminded me of like like this like a like one of those computer science. Uh, problems where it's like, okay, what is the optimal solution to do things in this order if you think that it's possible that someone may have jumped ahead, but you still need to confirm that someone isn't left behind? And it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I, I like, if we leave and then you don't come, like, we'll never know. Like, but if you leave, is it? And I was like, I was like really scared for a second. I was like, oh my God, is he going to like, is Barbara like, he, or, uh, is, is she here? And then he's going to not find her and then he's going to jump ahead and then she's screwed and, and, and they don't have a key. And it's like, what could happen? And it's good tension. Well, you know, and, and you can leave the bag of seed on the same side of the river as the wolf and it's right. fine. <laughs> but, right. the, but the chicken, you know, it's not going to I don't work. get this reference. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a famous crappy logic puzzle. <laughs> I pretty much only know Prisoner's Dilemma. That's the one that seems most relevant to my life. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> Newlywed burn. <laughs> oh, I didn't even go for that. I just meant because I get arrested a lot. But yeah. <laughs> That's fine, too. That's fine, too. Ian, once he's on his own and has split the party yet again, um, Heads down. Well, don't forget that they find that that one key that was around the statue just lying there on the floor. Because I guess um, Barbara dropped it. Oh, I thought that was after he uh, he follows after her. Yeah, no, no, because like the that um, Sabitha is like, this is a fake key, and he's like, ah, oh, shocks. And then... well, I did remember that they find the fake key, which is. And that's important. In, in in my mind, the most important thing about this episode. Yeah, and we know that Sabita can tell the difference just by looking. Right. That's important. I like that that well, comes back to play later. She she darn well better know the difference. She was wearing one around her neck for ages. That's true. So so now we know that they have what uh, one real key. They have one fake key. They know one must be here, uh, and they know that the doctor has gone ahead two stops to find I guess the fourth one. The third one is in an undisclosed location at this point. Mm -hmm. Ian decides that he's going to let the statue grab his butt. Um, it's consensual. You know, that's true. Which is very different from uh, next episode. Mm -hmm. I respect that about Ian. He's always willing to test his boundaries. <laughs> um, and uh, of course the statue does the same thing it flips around and um, suddenly he is in a new area where he almost immediately nearly gets axed yeah very dragon's lair <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of cool i mean they were doing something with what they had which was not a lot you know like you can tell that the budget was kind of limited Considering you had, you know, the statue with the human arms. Right. <laughs> or the, the suit of armor that was cool. clearly from another BBC production. That's true, yeah. But it was still cool, right? Bay and I were talking about this earlier, and I was saying that 
what surprised me was even with the stupid special effects, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would when we embarked on this, let's watch some classic Who. And I think it's a lot like when you go to, like, let's say a regional or a more independent kind of theater company, the audience has to use their imagination too because the sets can't be yeah amazing. So right. it requires some work on the part of the audience too, but if you're willing to do it... To meet them halfway. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, you got to meet them halfway. But if you can get past the stupid you know, cardboard acts, it's like, okay, this is supposed to be a really like crazy booby trap. I'm with you. I like it. I don't care if Ian really dies, but I definitely don't. I like where it's going. Plus, I'm sure that it looked a lot better on, you know, 60s TVs and not our yeah, yeah, uh, you can't rewatch it and and point out the errors later. You just, you see it the first time and then. Yeah, I think we're, we are like, I, I, I would, I, I'm really interested to get like um, listener feedback at some point. Like, I can't wait to see what like actual listeners think of these episodes because I feel like we are like exceptionally charitable. <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> we we definitely think about all this stuff. It's like, well, you know, in the '60s they couldn't rewatch it, and definitely, you know, in the theater of the mind, which was probably far more common at this time with an audience more <laughs> used to theatric productions, they were probably yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, like the average modern viewer is gonna be like, this sucks. That's a guy. That's cardboard. This sucks. What are you guys talking about? I can't decide if a kid would be a more willing participant in going along with it or the harshest critic. Oh, I definitely. Because they now have yeah. these like amazing cartoons and shows and stuff. They'd be like, this sucks. Or they'd be, they, because they're kids, they would just be able to use the imagination. Be like, yeah, did you see them that axe fell? It was so rad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to find out. I think a modern kid would probably poo-poo the special effects right like where's the ipad integration but uh yeah a kid in 1964 might be thrilled about this it reminds me of like an episode of um ducktales or something with the vines and the booby traps uh or like one of those old um serials like they would show every week in in cinemas the same kind of adventure stuff and i think it's like i'm very forgiving of this episode because it's I understand the limitations of the sets and all that, but I was pretty impressed with their ambition, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I could tell you that somebody who was, say, 12 or 13 years old and living at, in Ireland at the time, who saw some of these episodes, decided that the special effects were terrible and that he wasn't going to watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> and that sums up my dad's experiences <laughs> with Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to listen to those Beatles either. <laughs> They're a one-hit wonder. So, just to keep us uh, moving through all this uh, booby trap. This has been a digression heavy. Sorry, that's me. I'm sure we'll that's stop me, when but... we stop. You'll listen. You're in the shower or whatever. You're cutting your lawn. You'll listen. I'm, sh- I'm sure the listeners find our uh, in-depth thematic analysis much more interesting than uh, just a run-through recap. Well, we don't, you know what? We don't even have mattress advertisements, so you're welcome. <laughs> but MeUndies are pretty great. By Casper. Yeah. Stop yeah, it. Stop it. Nobody's you know. paying us yet. If, if Bomba Socks wants to send me stop. more socks. No, no, you're hitting all those. I will no. happily take them. <laughs> my feet are available for advertising. <laughs> Make my body your billboard. <laughs> what we're saying is sponsor us. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. But in the meantime, enjoy <laughs> however long we want this to be. All right, so our 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 heroes Huey and Webigail, um, 
they uh <laughs> Ian um Ian tells Barbara uh that the key that he had uh there was a fake. Um and they're searching around this area which uh Barbara has uh told Ian is just lousy with booby traps. Which she evaded by herself, by the way. Yeah, once again, overlooked Barbara. Yep, she evades them by herself until, until- <laughs> Ian shows up. And then yeah. she has to be a fool again. Mm-hmm. It's not really her fault. She's just uh, groped by vines uh, that come down. I Actually, Maggie, I think you made some, you know, tentacle reference. Uh, <laughs> Family program. That's all. I'm not going to say anything else. I, there's nothing wrong with tentacles. Every <laughs> cephalopod has. No. Well, maybe not all. Okay, but, so Barbara immediately falls into another trap. And, um, and I think... If I recall, they are saved by Darius. Yep. Yep. Yes. Darius the Hobo Monk, who, by the way, is played by a fellow named Edmund Warwick, who would later serve as a rather unconvincing double for William Hartnell in a handful of episodes where he needed one. Can I just say something about the trap here for a second? Uh, I wanted to call out the one that Barbara is saved uh, from by the Hobo Monk. So first of all, I like this at this point I, in my notes I'm like I really like the split up stuff I think that's kind of cool it gives them an opportunity to explore a bunch of dynamics but uh, I wanted to call out that the trap is way too Indiana Jones like oh. yes I thought of that immediately yeah, but Temple you guys, of Doom Indiana Jones doesn't come out for another 25 years <laughs> what I'm saying is plot twist I'm accusing Indiana Jones of stealing yes absolutely but I also wanted to say that if you look <laughs> You can see his legs, like like way before <laughs> he actually shows up in the nick of time. Like I could just like he's just standing there on his mark, and somebody's like, "No, oh, wait, no, go, okay, no, wait, no, okay, now, now go, right?" And so like you can see him like shuffle around awkwardly on his feet for a second. Like, should I let her die? Anyway, the I just spikes really like are that. also kind of rubbery looking, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Even on one of those '60s TVs. I can't excuse they these wobbled, spikes yeah. no, that are no. wobbling. No, these spikes are... There's no excuse for these spikes. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I did think it was kind of cool splitting them up. Ian is actually pretty handy. He's able to pry the bars off of his the cage that he's put in. It, it kind of reminded me of this like uh, game where you're saving other characters from death traps. So it... Oh, what the the sexy brutal. M- Margaret's giving me a, like, a really oh, weird yeah. look. Oh, yeah! That's a cool video game. Yeah, so this has been a pretty reference-heavy episode so far. That's fine. That's fine. Once we have oh, a wiki, we'll just I'm pretty sure the people listening to this will be in giant nerds like us. <laughs> Especially, like, the early ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> the ones that haven't seen the, like, web reviews that are, like, just started at episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> they are saved by uh, this old man, uh, Darius, um, and kind of... Have a have a chance to uh, talk over their their journey with him a little bit. He he knows uh, Arbitan, um, and and is going to uh, you know help them uh, before he also gets pretty well owned by the jungle. No music, by the way. That's one thing yeah, that I also that called I out really here once again. Too. The lack of music. Like there's all this tension. It's like he's getting killed by vines, and it's just kind of like. Yeah, great time Music for Welcome to the Jungle to play. Money. Hey, people at home, play something tense here. 
you know. Well, I actually found this this whole bit a little unconvincing. I was I was surprised when really? he straight up died. I guess it like crushed his larynx or something. I don't know. It wasn't I don't know. They should have established it was poisonous or something, or you know, venomous spikes uh, on it or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. Let's retcon that. Let's retcon that. Yeah. It did wrap <laughs> around Susan's leg and she was fine, but I just assumed it had like crushed something essential. He was old. Whatever. It probably yeah, just I mean, excited. It wrapped around his neck, so he did have time to croak out. You know, something cryptic. The <laughs> yeah. jungle is coming again. When the ris- whispering starts, it's death. <laughs> <laughs> and then a series of of uh, letters and numbers. <laughs> yeah, and the super nerd me was like, oh, it's hex code. I wonder what that encodes. Oh, it's- yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was- and he's like, figure out what it meant. Oh, my gosh. I, I kind of wish that there had been a little bit more. So we, we move into the escape room escape portion room. Of, of the episode <laughs> where, you know, they are in this other area this other room uh yeah in his bio lab his lab it's definitely an escape room like everything about it like you're totally right they're they're trying to open a safe they're they're reading through books trying to find you know uh what the numbers correspond to what something what was it de302 means right and did we give a ding for poor old darius oh that's right yeah the kill counter has gone up by one world hobo monk kid show kill everyone death is always okay in kid shows yeah and by the way this i also i would like to call out that this portion so far has with perhaps the exception of any musings they may have had on the origins of the statue completely done away with the educational aspects of the show maybe maybe some loose connection to biology in this scene where we learn that this is well pseudoscience i guess because chemistry saves the day yes yeah but but then they totally don't reference it at oh, yeah, all. You know, like this would be a great place for Ian to jump in and be like, "Oh, DE three O two is a chemical formula, and it means this, and well, this is the did. reason." And it, but yeah, but but he it doesn't have any out. bearing he, he on found it. Like, this is found one of those instances where I feel like Terry Nation kind of accidentally stumbled on being like a really. Uh, subtle writer because like uh, there was a lot that could have been explored here you know like i remember they're talking about like how he's always trying to increase the destructiveness of nature what why and then like you know it's like wow that's a whole like yeah you could have a whole plot okay never mind and then um the whispering starts again and i will say though that this scene once it got going was genuinely tense. Like I yeah. was, yeah. I was, I was on the edge of my seat watching this. No joke. Yeah, no, we we really enjoyed it too. It has like a kind of a thriller vibe. Yeah, you know, yeah, they really do a good job. Yeah, I mean those vines just starting coming in, and yeah, it it was it was it did get a little freaky. Yeah, especially because like you know you see the vines everywhere already, so you know they're completely surrounded, like they're completely screwed, and the only way that they could get out is to like I mean if they don't find the key, they're just simply dead, right? Because yeah, they're either they're gonna dumb. die wherever they go next, or like the vines are gonna get them. Like they have to get it. They know where it is. The clock is on. Good job, Terry Nation. This one and the Velvet Web were definitely the most successful of the, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And my humble yet obviously correct opinion. Huh. But they were also very, like, there's a lot of adventure. And, and at the end, there's a lot of, like, you know, Doctor Who, you gotta run around. Yeah, yeah th- right. This, this feels like a lot of um, adventure and horror mixed in. 
But, you know, my favorite part about this escape room is how, <laughs> you know, Barbara's actually trying to figure stuff out. And Ian's just there reading this guy's science notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he's kind of just dismissing, you know, Barbara's attempts to figure stuff out as rambling when he's just like, oh, it's how here's he this do. stuff about tempo of destruction, <laughs> nature, blah, blah, blah. And Barbara's just like, what can this DE302 possibly mean? You know, that thing that our complete mission hinges on. <laughs> but science! Pseudoscience. But guess what happens, guys? They make it out. They find the right jar. They find and then the they key. Barbara Scoot. finds the jar. And, and they are able to find the key. So we're now up to two keys and a fake key, which we'll play in later. No, it won't. No, it won't. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Let's check out fake key. Time to turn the <laughs> dial. So don't turn that dial. Oh. But we're on to the next episode. Uh, the Snows of Terror. We actually get a little preview of what this episode is going to be at the end of the previous one, so you get that little bit of cliffhanger. Um, but Barbara and Ian end up on a mountainside and decide they're going to take a nap uh, in the middle of a, a blizzard. It's too cold to move. I mean, to be fair, it's not all that uncommon. Like, as an outdoorsman, as a, like, you know, former scout and all that like that's one of the things that they tell you about when you know dealing with hypothermia is that one of those kind of like final stages is that you feel very sleepy and that you want to just lie down. like you it's not long it's no longer cold you don't feel any pain you just kind of want to lie down and go to sleep and that's like definitely the time to not let somebody go to sleep yeah, but she was in it for like 10 seconds like come on girl well yeah, okay. But maybe it was, like, really cold. Anyway, like, this is one of those, like... <laughs> she was like, really tired from solving the escape room. No, but, yeah. if, but it was, if it was that cold, then I don't know what Altos is doing running around, because that man hasn't been wearing pants for, like, this entire <laughs> series, and he okay. seems fine. Yeah. That is that bothered me so much. Well, Put on some pants. We definitely we hit one of those Andy suspension of disbelief times. We don't we don't know as as a viewer where he is yet, but they do show up and are saved by a mountain man. Snow monk. Snow monk. Snow is everyone monk. just a monk? monk? He's definitely not a monk. There are a lot of monks in this. Yeah, though. but this guy ain't no monk. I'm sorry. I'm stupid. My brain doesn't work. Like, my attention doesn't work so good. He's Snow Monk. That's how I call him. <laughs> I mean, everybody's a monk now. <laughs> and Snow Monk is played by a fella named Francis DeWolf. And DeWolf was in a ton of movies as, really? you know, a villain, TV as villain. He has, like, well over 100 credits. Oh, my God. So this is a guy who's cool. played these sorts of villainous roles in tons of TV shows and movies, so I wonder what this character is going to be. Well, like. color me surprised. That's interesting. I, that's I another, am looking him up right now. That's another point of context, right? Like that, you know, we don't have as modern viewers. Like back then, mm -hmm. it was kind of like how, you know, when uh, they cast like Jack Nicholson in The Shining and, and uh, Stephen King hated it because he was like, of course he's going to go crazy. You know, he was in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. And, like, you know, to me, I see Snow Monk and I'm like, oh, that's just some... You know what? I, I hear what you're saying, but I've seen enough British shows to know all of these older British dudes, even though I didn't recognize them, not recognize them I was thinking, well, this guy's got to be someone. Because they're kind of like a cut above. Uh, just all the guys that we've seen, you know, Arbitan, the Jungle Monk, the Snow... They kind of are just kind of like a step above your usual guest star 
Also, they're old British guys, so to me, they're like, oh, God, they have so much gravitas. They're British. Yeah. That's still true. <laughs> Plus, you have to consider there were only, like, five actors in all of Britain. Right. But I had thought, I thought we had also yeah, established yeah. by this point that, like, this episode was basically just, like, filled with Terry Nation's friends or so somebody. Like J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Yeah. Three directors. Or, or like, yeah, people friends. the director knew or <laughs> idolized <laughs> or things like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We were. We- it's he does super cold. Stuff. It's super cold. <laughs> Where were we talking? Let's see. Snow Wolf has shown up, or Snow Monk has shown and up. His ba- band of wolves, you know, uh, on the side of this mountain. But yeah, he's he's this crazy mountain man. I I got a strong Charlie Chaplin, the Gold Rush vibes. Oh yeah. Off of this guy. I you got know? a creeper vibe off this guy. Yeah, no, definitely with the creeper. <laughs> <laughs> He definitely gives creepy hand rubs. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but it's like Andy was saying, there's a lot of, like, truth in this episode. They they start to get fatigued being out in the blizzard. And, uh, you know, oh, don't warm up your body too quickly. You have mm-hmm. to, like, rub to get the blood flow going again. Uh, and that sort of thing. See, education. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So you, you've got that early BBC attempt to make this wacky sci-fi alien show educational i would like to imagine that there was some like 70s era british mountaineer who was like wait a minute don't warm him up too fast i saw this on doctor who <laughs> i remember i saw this on a doctor who episode remember when snow monk said not to warm it up too fast and then sexually assaulted barbara sorry i'm sorry yeah i got unnecessarily sultry there and spoilers <laughs> vesar is like um most men fear me, so I have few visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and he brags about breaking the back of a wolf for with no his bare reason. Hands. Yeah, there's no guess reason whatsoever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this was when I was like, "What's going on with this guy?" I mean, I guess that's just how snow monks show off. I mean, that's flirting on snow mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would certainly you have breeding hips. I me. kill wolves easily. He definitely knows how to how to talk to women. He's like, we must fatten you up, eh? Oh, so I, I wrote down in my notes, stop He's a sweetheart. Creeping. Yeah. He's and, a but sweetheart. Then, and then Ian does the absolute heroic thing of leaving Barbara alone yeah. with this guy. <laughs> like, oh, let me go find everyone else. Nothing says friendship like leaving your female friend with a <laughs> massive, creepy, bearded <laughs> snow hobo. <laughs> well, I, I was a little freaked out that he left his travel dial. Like, that, He's a that's moron. really nice the only see, way out. It's nice to see Ian have the one who had his brain drop out of his head, but it has consequences for other characters. Right. I imagine even, like, uh, like viewers at home at the time being like, okay, this is uh, clearly contrived for the story, right? It's like... Well, you know, I'll I'll give you a fur about it. I don't know if I'm going to get my fur back. How about the one thing that would let you advance the plot? <laughs> so, okay, so let me see if I have this right, though. Um, the snow hobo says that he saw the girls. They're in a cave. He also ran into Altos with no pants. And he <laughs> went out to find the girls. And so now Ian is going to look for everybody. Is that basically what happened here? Yep. The guy's just like, yeah, I found them. They're in a cave. It's all good. Snow Hobo was like, sucks to be them. Peace. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't have anything that he could exploit. You know, like he. I don't know about that. This guy definitely has some exploitative vibes. Mm. Well, I mean, he he's concerned with material goods, though. Like we find out after um, 
Ian leaves. With a bag that Vaser gives him because he's just like, here, Ian, here's this random bag that's, you know, of no significance whatsoever. Why don't you take this with you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but Barbara does stumble across um, other travel dials and uh, important uh, items that uh, her companions have and like immediately knows what's up right well yeah I mean I mean this is this is also you know like we cut away just as she's probably trying to fend off uh, snow hobo yeah I don't I don't Ratty. even want to get into to we had he's, creepers he's getting in the last a little handy. We had a, a creeper in this episode let's just say that he's getting into her personal space and it's he not definitely is appreciated uh, my notes at this point I just seeing them again for the first time it says Barbara finds girl stuff in snow hobo's drawer <laughs> which definitely scans a lot more awkwardly <laughs> than what actually happened was she really found was like his murder trophy drawer right right like or like uh, like a pair of like underwear or something like that's but i think it was travel tiles but anyway i just wanted to share that well why doesn't he just kill like these people like what is why does he do this convoluted thing like leading up to the cave and all this jonathan you're doing it again Because he, he says something about you know here you let nature kill people the wolves do it yeah but what is with you and reason, man? But he could have just left Ian out in, in the cold, or he could have. It's not murder, you if know. You they still have a shot, I guess. Yeah, he didn't kill them. He just left them, so he can have a clear conscience and still get all their stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. He can just leave Ian to be killed by that stock footage of a wolf, and everything's <laughs> fine. <laughs> with raw meat in it sitting around yeah, yeah that's like, been a delicious meal <laughs> well we should probably it explain at this point that's what Ian has yes it was a bag yes. of raw meat <laughs> okay the stock footage of wolves was hysterical Ian yeah Ian finds and throws this raw meat at the stock footage wolves which looking into it I learned that these come from a 1957 Russian thriller called The Grey Robber oh my god so, <laughs> I liked it I like the stock footage. They I, I couldn't mean, even take it from a nature documentary. I nope. <laughs> so if you want to, you know, see where the wolves come from, it's apparently a movie called The Grey Robber. Well, I knew f- I knew they weren't going to have a wolf or even a dog on the I set. I thought they'd have like a cardboard cutout in shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not after that monkey stuff. I thought this was like a step up from that, so I didn't. I was like, "Oh, cool! Like, okay, they got some actual wolf footage. It's not just like shadowy silhouettes in the background." Uh, honestly, the the part that bugged me a little bit is that Althos is like out naked. there in yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> he's sitting in a snowbank, you know, half naked. Uh, like he and he's been bound. It's like he's been out there for what half a day. He should ha- he should be he the should one be having dead. frostbite, right? Yeah, he right? should be deadzo. He doesn't have frostbite. He he's basically raw meat, and the wolves haven't come after him. No, but he's um he's a very important character. So of course he had no. He's really not though. He doesn't. Even <laughs> That's not fair to poor Altos. I did. Li- I mean, he's it's got good Altos. Life. Altos. Whatever, whatever his name is. He doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, he's some kind of breathman. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Who cares? We we go back to the cabin. Um and uh well, the he's gentlemen, attacking her. Yeah, the gentlemen show up 
Uh, just as, you know, like, just in the nick of time, right? She fights him off like a bamf. It was fabulous. Right. She went back to awesome Barbara, right? Right. He gets rapey, and then she's like, hell no. Oh, hell no. Nah. And then he's like, I can wait. And then five minutes later, he's done waiting. Yeah. <laughs> And she totally just battles him off, and it was great. I loved it. I love it yeah. when she gets to be awesome. Yeah, good for yeah. Barbara on this one. I mean, what's great is, you know, when the guys arrive and they're trying to get in, Barbara bites his hand yeah. and gets the door <laughs> yes, open. Yes, girl! It was so, I was cheering. I was cheering again, just like when she smashed up those brains. Yeah. No, Bar- Barbara gets pretty awesome. When she's left to her own devices, that is. Yeah, right? If, you, if she's alone, she's awesome. Just a male presence puts her back into that traditional role. Yeah, excellent point. I'm so sorry I wasn't there for that. By the way, that was like my favorite part of that of the Velvet Web when the, like she's smash. Well, she smashes one brain, but then like you know she's supposed to be smashing. They're like ah ah ah. Okay, that's it. I'm done. But I just really well, I thought that it's too smash. Bad I it, Andy, because my oh. commentary for that scene was just really insightful. Oh, You'll just have to listen to the episode. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to enjoy it like everybody else. Uh, Vassar, uh, Vassar College is um, <laughs> now like uh, completely outnumbered, and um, they kind of force him into uh, taking taking the party um, to find the the other ladies, uh, Susan and Sabatha, uh, who are in a cave. Was it just me, or did this episode seem to go on forever? Well. I was just worried because we're going back to a cave with this Terry Nation script. Oh, well, I, yes. I haven't experienced that, but it was just like, oh, my God. Now there's a whole other huge set piece, and it just seemed to, like, drag. I wrote down, like, ah, this episode drags. It's another ordeal. Well, and we have more, <laughs> you know, uh, references to, you know, superstition. Uh, Vassar College says that, you know, uh, there are, are spirits or, or mm. demons in the cave. And and is like too afraid to go in, but Ian makes him. Um, they find a rope bridge across a cav- chasm, and I was like, "Please, no! I've been here before." <laughs> yeah, it's like not another chasm. <laughs> They're in the caves from Conan the Barbarian two, the ice caves, uh, where you never know what horrors lurk. That's actually what I really was thinking it looked like. Well, I don't know if anyone's... I guess y'all aren't just familiar with that movie as I am. That's one of my favorites. Conan the Destroyer? Yes, sir. You know, when they're in the caves and... Mm-hmm. It has been a long time. Oh, that's what I referenced in my brain. Uh, well, we, we have a, a little bit of, like, kind of useless uh, ladies getting lost in caves and having to Ugh. turn around and, yeah, and, and, uh, and everything. Susan's just like, I'll find our way through this cave, and goes the wrong way. Immediately gets lost. <laughs> but, uh, by the, the bridge was scary, though. That was tense, the, right? The bridge was pretty Except cool. it looked like a playground bridge. Like on yeah, a, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like four steps long. They could have jumped over it. Although, they didn't have much luck in the last Terry Nation time where there was a chasm they jumped over, so... Well, I will say that the, the bridge also goes off screen, so I didn't know how many screens were between the one no, side of the fair. bridge and the other. But, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I had just assumed that that was the size of the studio, because I don't know how much space they were actually dealing with for... Uh, for Not much. <laughs> Well, I thought the bridge looked dumb, but I thought that the crossings were also very effective because it's just kind of like playing Russian roulette. You know, at some point, or Chekhov's bridge, at some point, mm. 
that bridge is falling. Right. And I also liked how they left in, like, all of the real-world sounds that the bridge made, which were, let's be honest, completely pathetic, right? Like, the bridge is moving around, and it's like, this sounds like it's made out of crap. It doesn't sound old at all. (laughs) Definitely, it sounded worse than a playground bridge. Like a bunch of dopes, our, our heroes go across the bridge... Um, the girls meet up with everybody else and uh, and they meet up with with the ladies so our entire party is together except the doctor it, well except the doctor yeah. who's gone ahead uh, also Vassar College decides that he's cutting off their tuition <gasps> let's uh, leave the no. guy who like wants oh, to kill us last and we'll all cross the bridge first at least Ian calls himself out on it later because like at that point like even the dumbest audience member would be like excuse me but didn't you just leave the guy that tried to kill literally all of you on the other side of this bridge <laughs> yeah so ian does leave the chicken across the river with the wolf uh, <laughs> and uh and they don't that. have a way back across the chasm however in the room on the other side of the bridge they do find the key in a block of ice a valve um and a number of sentinels that's um, cool kind of uh statues uh, around that block of ice, and I was like, mm. I thought it was cool. I think Again, all of us were you like, you know, mm. they're coming to life. You know, they're coming to life. But it was cool. It was. It was kind of cool, and um, they kind of look like the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That they did <laughs> to a one. They did. Um, I found it very interesting that they were provided not only with the puzzle of a key in an ice block, but the immediate solution of a valve that would dissolve it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. This is the this is where the escape room people were just got lazy, right? I mean, the last escape room was designed by you know somebody who had a lot of experience designing those sorts of things. This escape room was designed by you know. Okay, but it was still visually neat. It was. It looked cool. My, much like an actual escape room, uh, you've got one team of people working on one puzzle and another team of people working on another. Um, the men decide that they're going to put. I think it was like a large column or was oh, where did yeah, they like get this that big chunk of ice that could collapse and crush them right oh right is that what we're oh talking? yeah, um, yeah. I, was, I was actually talking about the way across the chasm because right. the men men take care of that the women are you know working on melting the ice um and we also note that in the doorway there's like a death trap yeah luckily they're able to set up their way back Grab, snatch that key up um, right before they're attacked by these knights. Action, Ian. Yeah, and they're able to set up the the door trap. So they're able to get across the chasm. Um, I think they take out one of the guys. He falls, right? Yeah, one of the knights just runs off the cliff (laughs) after they collapse. Let's not forget, though, to mention Brave Susan crawling across. Good job there. Very well done. Susan did something. She also is the lightest member of the party. But still, I mean, Bay was making fun of this. Like, well, it did feel like. Yeah, but I was like, you know what? That'd be. I gave her props for being. I don't know if I'd be brave enough to do that to go first. I would not. Endless chasm, like in. Oh, oh, like in um, the descent, right? Oh God! Like that's super scary. I I mean, I actually thought that there was quite a lot of action here at the end. It does kind of turn into a um, silly chase scene. Uh, back all the way back to the cabin um, and like 
the these these statues. And I guess we say ding for one of those statue knives. No, was he really alive though? I don't know, but he ran off a cliff. So. <laughs> I mean, he seemed sentient. Yeah, you know? a sentient sentient. He did scream, if I recall correctly. Wilhelm. <laughs> there was a goofy sound, not quite as goofy as uh, the the Vord. Yeah, the thank you for giving me the proper term. I was just about to say crappy merman um, <laughs> <laughs> when he when he turned into cardboard and fell into the water. So. I don't know. Maybe the effectiveness of these last two episodes in terms of the horror elements is because I have other references it reminded me of, but I still found them pretty effective. It was good. It was good. I mean, we're, none of us are ever going to be able to appreciate it like they were at the t- like they, you know, like the viewers at home did at the time. But I mean, with a little effort and a little ignorance of terrible Foley, I think we can all get there. Johnny, <laughs> when did Doctor Who become known as a show that would bring the scary, the like behind the couch aspect? When did that really become part of the show's? Um, well, the narrative. whole behind the couch thing started with the Daleks, and that was the second story. Okay, so we are at a point now where they are like, we are going to be a, sometimes a scary show. Yep. Okay, cool. Then I feel better about it. it was <laughs> you, you don't really get into, you know, major horror episodes until you get to the second Doctor, and especially the fourth is really the major oh, horror Ooh. era. But um, you do get a, a bit of that throughout uh, Hartnell. Cool. I'm excited to see those. Maybe I'll be asked back. Never. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> well, then I'm just going to go crazy if I'm never coming back. <laughs> okay, so they have the key. They're out the cave. They run all the way back to Vassar's co- uh, cottage. They're uh, all naked, but it's totally <laughs> fine now. Uh, <laughs> and um, they they burst in. And Vassar bursts bursts out screaming, "No!" <laughs> well, he's uh, he's pretty quickly dispatched by one of them because the knights followed them back. And this is when Ian says some cold, <laughs> and we'll beat that out. But oh my god, <laughs> my favorite line! You guys really just need to make so this show far. like adults only. <laughs> my favorite line so far right like you know they burst back in they're like no get out of here and he tries to run and then he sees him coming and Ian's like well I'm afraid you're gonna have to entertain them alone peace oh my <laughs> god it was so amazing <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, they're not killing him. They're I was just like, letting oh, nature take its course. Terry Nation! Mew, mew, mew. <laughs> this is pretty metal. Karma. Oh, it was so good. Oh, if you actually, leave people to die in the wilderness, ancient card, key card guarding sentinels will show up and give you back tenfold. <laughs> it actually addressed something that had bothered me when they were across the chasm, is why don't they just peace out with yeah, you've got house. the key. Yeah. But, but they didn't oh, have they the didn't dials. Have them. They They're didn't have the, the dials. Cabin. That's right. They had to go get Because it. the keys and the dials are back with... Shea Snowhobo? Yeah, Snowhobo. All props. Isn't that... That was good writing, yeah, right? right? They couldn't leave the caves. They didn't have the travel dials. They had to... That's how Barbara found out that this guy was totally creepy. She saw the dials. Like, all of this is actually plotted well. Yeah, yeah. except for the fact that they sh- totally should have snatched that up before they They should have taken them before they left, but we will not begrudge them that. <laughs> and yeah, and then we would have missed out on Ian's once again. 
cold as ice. <laughs> cold. Oh, so good. Can you say I it played one more that? Time? I like rewound it. Like I don't do that. Like normally I'm like a lazy bastard and I like watch them at like 1.5 speed the day before. And then, like, this time I was like, what did he say? And then I totally rewound that. Like, Say it oh. again, Andy. Say it again. <laughs> oh, so good. Ice cold. No, the actual line. Oh, he's like, I'm afraid you'll have to entertain them alone. Peace, <laughs> snap. <laughs> oh, so awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so I guess we have to say a ding for... Poor snow hobo. Poor winter hobo. Ding. Poor winter hobo. What are and we up to, his Johnny? Come uppance. He gets what's coming to him. Yeah, what what is our counter? What's at? our what's our death counter? Isn't it like I think it's three? nine. Okay. Oh well Ten? three for this episode though, yeah. Yeah. Must be death. Oh, yeah, no, we racked them up in the early episodes. It's true. I guess we're not we're not counting all the poor folk in the uh, Roman city that were killed in the riots and the burning. Oh well. Nah, that happened off screen, but I did count the four brains. They, yeah. Oh good. Those, yeah, good. Those folks off screen, they didn't have names. They didn't have I mean, I can't remember these people's names, but okay. Can we also say real quick how cool it was that, like, wasn't it Snow Hobo got stabbed through the door? Yeah, nothing so can come awesome. through this door except a sword. That was so awesome. Okay. It was so, pretty good. So at the end of this episode, it's I, I thought it was kind of jarring because we go from a very wild, inhospitable scene to something very, like, a game of Clue? Yeah, exactly. It's very polished. Professor Plum on the we floor of the conservatory. We show up in what looks like a museum, <laughs> Okay, right? but that's one of there my favorite cases. movies, and this was not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like a museum or like a jewelry uh, store or something like that. Yeah, I, I, well, I'd wondered if they were going to get into a jewel heist thing, and then it totally decided to go there. Ian shows up alone because, of course... Everybody decides they're going to go off at different times or show up in different places. They don't really establish how that how the space. Yeah, I'm works. wondering because didn't they pretty much leave at the same time? Yeah. Where was everybody? Yeah, else? I thought so too. Like I think that that like this whole convenience separating them spatially just so Ian can get framed by a smooth criminal. <laughs> Ian, are you okay? Dun, 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 dun. Ian, are you okay? No, he got hit on the back of the head. Yeah, he gets Lying sacked or something. At the museum. Uh, ding. I mean, no, wait. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he, he does He's find not a body. Ding. Yeah, he. Okay, so we see someone dead. We see gloved, mysterious hands reach into a case yes. and pull out the key. It's a it's a big old jalo moment, right? This is interesting. We yes. know in, immediately where the next key is going to be because we see, and then someone clocks Ian on the back of the head. I know this was your favorite moment of the of the episode arc. Was Ian gets hit on the head? No, I mean, yeah. My like- my notes down here say. Gloved hands of killer, like a jalo. <laughs> I don't get that reference. Oh, uh, so in in like Italian horror movies, the the killer always like you don't see his face, and it's just like black gloved hands. Uh, that's not just Italian horror, though, right? Ian been hit by. Ian been struck by a smooth criminal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry to like. I'm sure it doesn't. It kind of kills the pleasure you get from a cool reference when someone's <laughs> like i don't understand that reference can you explain it please <laughs> well i mean you know the audience might not know either so i am the audience <gasps> am i the companion yep <gasps> okay oh. i'll try to do a lot more screaming oh good <laughs> and running off <laughs> i guess we need to adjust these levels <laughs> right yeah there ha- you, there hasn't been nearly enough susaning from you it's oh. true so <laughs> So the next episode is entitled 
sentence of death. Which uh, is so, awesome. Dun, dun, dun. I, you know, I, I thought that there were, you know, like quite a number of something or other of death or of destruction or of skulls or something. Oh, yeah. in all it, these it's the death, 60s, whatever. Ocean of death or something like that. What was the first Terry one? Nation loves his of death titles. He does. <laughs> I mean, it establishes high stakes. I suppose. Yeah. Well, I just kind of was thinking, like, couldn't you have said death sentence? Well, it's too short. It's a Doctor Who title. It has to be more formal sounding. Well, you can't just say death sentence. It's not like a t- aughts action movie starring. <laughs> there, Rock. there are a lot, a lot of Doctor Who stories called something of death. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Or Temple of Evil. Or, yeah, mm-hmm. something of doom or something <laughs> of, of doom, evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's their MO here. That's what they do. Even now, I, I like that about the new series, too. Spoilers. They kind of keep that formal terror title thing going. I thought that's always fun. At any rate, of, of the sentence of death, we, we start out where we left off. With um, this gloved hand, you know, he's uh, he's put um, some some kind of bludgeoning implement uh, in mace. Ian's in Ian's hand, yeah, or or mace. We stick with Ian rather than going with anyone else, and you know, just from the rules of this particular serial, we know that the Doctor should be in this area. Um, and because we've met up with all of our other characters, we know that they need to be around here somewhere as well. However, Ian is like immediately wrapped up with uh, an interrogation with the Death Star commander. Yeah, and what was this guy's name again? Taran. Yeah, his name was Taran, which is a name that also pops up in a lot of Terry Nation scripts. Oh, interesting. Because Terry Nation is nothing if not a you know. Recycler. <laughs> uh, let me make a suggestion for us going through this. Let's not spend too much time on trying to figure out the details of this because I will tell you it was super confusing. All these white <laughs> do- Death Star yes. guys look the same. They all look the same. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really care. My notes the- are like, the names are like crossed out like a bunch of different times as I'm like, okay, no, wait, that was Taryn. Okay, no, stop, pause, go it back, change really the name. Matter, like, Does who it? is this person? Uh, yeah, there there were several characters who I had a really hard time distinguishing between, um, but it was pretty clear to me that this was supposed to be almost like a kind of a fascist city. An indictment like, of the flaws in the British legal system at the time, perhaps? Well, maybe. See, Margaret and I have been playing through one of my favorite game series this, uh, this week, uh, Phoenix Wright, and... This was totally a Phoenix Wright episode. Oh, no, you know? it was, yeah. They're trying to find out from the evidence what was going on. You know, like, you have the doctor who shows up and he's profiling, you know, the, the scene. It was cool um, to see the doctor acting as a defense attorney. It was cool to see, like, an alien court. Uh, the details of what happened were completely lost on me. The set piece, again, was cool. What was happening in the scent piece was kind of incomprehensible. I was uh, disappointed with this episode because they set it up like it could have been, um, you know, witness for the prosecution or like an episode of Matlock or something where it would have been really dramatic if the doctor who 
maybe it could have been Matlock is like is cross examining the witness for the uh, prosecution and then like in the course of that testimony like proves that he's the real culprit or something like that and that would have been really dramatic in a courtroom setting um, and I th- I think they kind of missed out on that so my big uh kind of modus forgiveness <laughs> if you will is that like this show is you know so old and groundbreaking in so many ways mm-hmm. that i just pretty much take any failure as like well you know they were the first yeah no, right? I'm, I'm sure there were courtroom dramas before this but i like to think of this as like a you know kind of an embryonic matlock right like yeah they're kind of just playing with the formula or whatever i'm sure that's not true but that's what i like to believe i i i totally agree um, I will say, though, as an attorney, the part, you know, they have to be legally correct. No, the part, it, I was cool with everything except for when the doctor's like, girls, go, go to the law library here and research everything you can about murder cases. You have two hours. Like, Five years later. An alien court. I have two hours have to two become hours a to pass subject the matter expert. I can tell you trials? what this paragraph kind of means. Oh, they are going to have to adjust the levels here because I'm freaking out. But I was just, I laughed. I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> Aren't there lawyers like they could have hired or something for this? Oh, yeah. my gosh. Well, it also did kind of frustrate me that, you know, like, I think it just fed into this, like, kind of um, fascist element. I mean, like, the symbols on the walls, they were supposed to be reminiscent of swastikas. For sure. Like, Oh my god, I didn't even notice Yeah, did, did anybody else? Oh, I always notice the Nazis, Andy. Well, I mean, it's <laughs> I also a Terry do. Nation script, so I, I feel like he's just obsessed with them, you know? Okay, but remember, we thought this whole serial was going to be about fascism and mind control, and it ended up not being about that at all, so what do we know? Well, like I the mean... The keys that control your, take away your evil thoughts, and... I mean, we we end up at the courtroom. Um, we still don't know who actually has this final key of Marinus. You got a bunch of guys with like those like little paper turkey crowns on their heads. Yes, coming out. I called them Russian Orthodox judges. I, I called them I called them rack of lamb uh, crowns because they look like the little paper frills. <laughs> And one of those judges has a really obviously fake beard. <laughs> oh, can, can I just mention really quick um, how, uh, you know, Ian gets arrested and everything, and, you know, and then we get the whole big, like, ooh, guilty until proven innocent. And then Ian's in jail, and then Barb shows it, like, to visit him. It's like, where was she? Were they just, like, hanging out? The and then library. they read the news. It's like, oh, there, he's in jail. Let's go, let's go say hi. Yeah, so I just, again, like, the details of the crime and the heist and stuff don't really track. I Speaking of Clue, I just was waiting for the doctor to be like, gentlemen, turn out your pockets. Ladies, turn out your pocketbooks. Whoever has the key was the killer. <laughs> I mean, he does throw in that, like, uh, like, obvious Sherlock Holmes reference, right? When he's like... Um, where they're like, how how did the how did the key disappear? And he's like, oh, it's elementary. Oh, but he would do that. <laughs> I loved that actually. The doctor would totally do that. Yeah, I, I mean, right. I I actually this was one of my favorite moments with the doctor in all of the the serials that we've had so far. Like for most of the episodes we've seen, the doctor's kind of a jerk, right? And mm-hmm. in this episode in particular. He's a he's a member of the team. He's you know like very clever, 
He's optimistic when everyone else is not. He's jolly. I think we talked. I'd mentioned this in our previous episode. Well, he this cares is the first, about other people. Yeah, this is the first classic who I'd seen, and everyone said he was grumpy, and I just thought, oh, he seems to be having a great time in this serial. Well, I mean, that's what like two episodes of not filming anything will do for right. you, right? Back from vacation. <laughs> it's like if you give me two, even two days off work, I'm like, this is fine. <laughs> <laughs> After finding out later, of course, that he had been on, you know, sabbatical or vacation or whatever for those two episodes. And I see, you know, the doctor in this episode and I'm like, this is excellent. Like, this is the doctor at his finest. Like, this is William Hartnell's doctor, like, distilled, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it was like in its perfect form. And I really, really enjoyed his performance in this episode for, for that reason, because he was just so much himself. He was on top of his game. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed him and his performance in here. Um, I like the moment later um, after Ian is, you know, does get his sentence and um, and he feels like he's failed, mm-hmm. uh, where he, he's just like sitting there stunned that, you know, um, the companion that he's built up this relationship over the last few serials we've seen, you know, is, is now doomed. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool, actually. Why don't we discuss the resolution of the mystery? Because I thought it was cool. Yes, and that the person behind everything was actually like a secondary female character who ended up being like a total femme fatale. It's true. Well, and and it's you true. and you also have like a cool kidnapping plot. Yeah, she kidnaps Susan. Shocker. But she's like I'm going to murder you now. What? And we'd we'd implied strongly that she the reason why she killed that guard who I guess was her husband was because he beat her. There's like a whole domestic abuse thing that happened. Oh my god, yeah. Like I mean, I thought we were going to get to that, but like I I remember you know, they're like sitting outside the door and he just slaps the crap out of her. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, <laughs> it was so shocking. Yeah. Well, it, I'm the, and again, I was like, these episodes have everything for me. <laughs> Sexual assault, domestic abuse, hysterical females. Well, you know, <laughs> between this episode and the last one, as well as Barbara um, kind of freeing the city of mind slaves, I was like, OK, this is why you asked Maggie to be on the show. <laughs> But I, I, oh, liked, I liked it that she was the bad guy. That was a cool twist, right? Nobody, I just certainly didn't expect it. I hadn't been paying that much attention to who I didn't bother trying to put the clues together. Uh, but still, that was cool. And she did kidnap Susan, and she had the fake tears when uh, they the uh, friends came to see her to try to find Susan. I'm sorry, I can't help you find your friend right now. My husband is dead. I bought dead. it. I bought it. Yeah, I was, was 100% great. on board. Now, Shawnee, um, did we mention earlier, I think in the last episode, you alluded that this actress was also someone of note? I want to say her name is Fiona Walker, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she just did a lot of British TV, and that included a later episode of Doctor Who in the late 80s. So a good 20 years from now. I thought she was really good. Well, I mean, I think she, yeah, she's really good, especially because, like, I... I, skeptical, modern, watched way too much Law & Order, me, uh, totally bought it when she was like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And then, like, the only the only moment when I realized it was 
her was when the camera lingered a second too yeah, long. Yeah, and then her, like, she's just like, stop And crying. then she laughs, of course, right? But, like, up until that point, I totally bought it. And, like, <laughs> it, that's awesome. Even you know, good for them. Even being a modern viewer, we know we're watching a show from this time period. So we, our expectation is that she would, her character would perform in a certain way within what was right. the norms. So I think right. it was very mm-hmm. cool that even, like you were saying, even now it was like a shocking twist to have a female character be like that. It was just very cool. I enjoyed it. Like I was like all geared up to hate on it <laughs> up until that point. It's kind of amazing how there are some bits of, you know, this particular storyline here in this city that are just convoluted, bizarre and nonsensical. And some bits that are just, you know, really great like this. Because, you know, it goes back to the idea that Terry Nation is good with concepts, not so much with execution. (laughs) And who, was it Barbara who figured out she was lying? Because they leave. She successfully gets rid of them. And then in the hall, Barbara's like, wait a minute well she really we gets a time didn't to shine tell her. yeah how did she know susan was missed so again like another great moment for her to put yep. those pieces together and be the detective and once again i would like to point out that uh at least for me barbara was more observant than i would have been right because like i see them leaving and like of course you know in my role as the audience i'm thinking oh my god the irony the irony the things they know that the things i know that they don't right and then you know barbara you know says wait a minute we didn't you know she we didn't tell her we talked to susan and i'm like oh man like ian totally would have died if i'd have been because <laughs> 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 i know i would have been like well oh well i guess ends maybe are all he tied really up. did do it that would be me i guess he did kill that guy <laughs> <laughs> gym teachers man oh and we are actually into this last episode already when we yeah we kind of, since this plot covers episode five, and then the kidnapping portion goes into episode six, The Keys oh, of Marinette. I forgot about that. That's why when we were saying there were four episodes, well, it, I was like, what are you talking about, Willis? Well, it, it the is segue little, was kind of awkward. I, I had that it, it arched over the episodes because I think the one episode ends with the kidnapping plot and the next one, we wrap right, this it one does. up. Right, but you know um that's why it felt like it went on forever <laughs> it's because it was it was it was definitely an awkward transition like the trial episode bled from one to the other and then of course like the the transition back to like acid island it was just very abrupt the whole end of this this serial though feels very rushed yeah to me um, sure it sure. was a good dun dun moment though to have oh. susan be like barbara barbara they've kidnapped me they said they're going to kill me you know and they're like <gasps> And then it's there. Really? Because, like, at that point, I was just like, oh, again? Uh, <laughs> this is only my, like, second experience with her getting kidnapped. Well, but so. you, That's cool, yeah. You would just kind of, like, who took their eyes off Susan for long enough to right? get... Right, God, would someone just put a lead or a bell on that girl like a cat? <laughs> or a leash, for heaven's sake. Like, those kids at the theme parks where the ki- the parents have to, like... I thought you were little... supposed to be the feminist. This girl wanders <laughs> off and dies. Like, I'm all for feminism, but you better believe if I take my four-year-old to Disney World that they will have a little clip-on leash that I will put on my backpack. Oh, it's kind of like the Venture Brothers, right? It's like, you know, when you have death-prone children, you keep a few clones around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that practicality needs to give way to feminism sometimes, right? 
I wrote in my notes with the kidnapping thing. It's like, okay, it ends with this. You hear Susan say that kidnapping thing. Then you hear a thud. And then I just wrote, ding. <laughs> right. <laughs> she did. If only. No, that would have been really sad, though, right? Because she's kind of, she is probably the most audience surrogate person we have, maybe. Well, I mean, I think- for the kid audience, at least. Well, yeah, clearly, I suppose, yeah, her age was certainly ways. picked to be kind of a bridge between. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say if she could be considered an audience surrogate since she's also, you know, the weird, mysterious, you know, inhuman. The, yeah, not quite as weird and mysterious as our older, mysterious, weird <laughs> dude. But, you know, she's also still weird and mysterious and, you know, gets kidnapped all the so time. They- do they do anything in these classic episodes alluding to her being part Time Lord? Does she have, e- or is she just considered... Time Lord isn't even like a concept. Right. Yeah, they don't okay, even talk about it. So we just know that we don't have anything really that distinguishes him from being like a super smart human with a time machine. Right. He's just like an right. alien. That happens to come from an, from another planet. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they mentioned that time, they're though. from somewhere else, and that's about okay. it. This is like beta tests Doctor Who. Well, he talks about being meeting the philosopher or Pira or something. Is that uh, is it orient to believe that he time traveled or that he has just lived that long? No, he time traveled. Yeah, like at this point, he's a space and time traveler because they intentionally stopped in the sixties. Well, not only that, but they they intentionally mention earlier in this episode that the teleportation rings can only do through space, but not time. Like, right. you know, I mean, I think at this point it's kind of established that 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 he can travel through space and time, and that certainly slots in well with the whole like this is part sci-fi, part educational, yeah, the history you know, aspect. like magic school bus kind of thing. <laughs> But they didn't know that the doctor was going to, he like, his brain is super, he can see all through time and space, like, his two, blah, blah, blah. So Susan, whoa, 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 right. none of that. part-time Lord, must have, so she's just, like, a girl. Right, most, most like, like, references that I've read later that refer to, like, Susan and her abilities and her as a time lady and all that um, is kind of retconny. Like, I, I yeah. typically think of, like, these first episodes as almost, like, beta test or alpha test to Doctor Who. You know, they're still kind of, like, you know, figuring things out. Like, I mean, at this point, they hadn't even determined that, like, you know, what happens when he dies, right? Like, okay. that was just something that kind of came along later as a matter of practicality. Yeah, but. I don't want to talk too much. I mean, we don't want to talk too much about it. I, although Ben right, is right, probably right. the only person in the world who has seen no Doctor Who. <laughs> well, one thing that bothers me, though, or that, like, uh, speaking of the Doctor's identity and retconning things, um, I am aware that, like, whenever people refer to the Doctor as Doctor Who, they immediately get corrected by... A Whovian pedant Actually. who says, no, it's the Doctor. <laughs> but these early episodes, the credits say Doctor Who. You got it, my man. Good point. So what's what's up with that? That's uh, people uh, being know, jerks. new to this. Because, like, even back here. Yeah, I mean, he is credited as Doctor Who for the first, I want to say, like, 18 or 19 seasons. Oh, that's, I will tell you. I, so, Jonathan, if you are looking for an explanation for that, I would say most of the people who are, um, I was going to say one word, but I will say jerks about it, you know what I mean? <laughs> who, who are yeah. the, actually, it's just the Doctor. They probably haven't actually watched yep. the classic so now- old episodes. 
next time that happens to you, you get to say the following awesome line. Not only have I been on a podcast about Doctor Who, but uh, for the first 19 seasons, he was referred to as the Doctor in the credits. So peace. (laughs) You have the ultimate trump card now. Are we spoiling too much? Uh, how did that change? What's the deal with that? We don't have to get into that yet. You have another five years before you get there. But I just think it's a very interesting thing to point out. Because I, I think, again, if you live in this, if you live in the world, you probably know that they refer to him as just the doctor now. So I think it's it's definitely interesting to point out. And I didn't know that he was credited as Doctor Who. I usually peace out before the credits, to be honest. I'm like, episode's over, bye. <laughs> no, I want I want that sweet, sweet music. Yeah, Beza watched till the end of credits for everything guy, and I'm like, show's over. That's how you know that what the names of the characters are. I could not remember <laughs> any of the names, so that was the only way I remembered, like, oh, that's Taran, that's Altos. Yeah, that's actually one of the most helpful things in these episodes. Most of the time when I'm watching something, it's on Netflix, or you have subs, or or something. Yeah. But but without subtitles here, you don't even know what people's names are. That's fair. Yeah, no, I definitely had to rewind a couple of times. All right, so guys, let's wrap this up. So they solved the mystery, they free Ian, they've got the key. Well, actually, I th- I thought it's that, hidden in the um, maze. The way that they find the key and and where the real one is hidden because they totally use the um Fake key switcheroo. And oh yeah, yeah, that was is, cool. That is it's the true. same way that they do with the like early Phoenix Wright cases. Uh, the oh key my God. is take that. Yeah, <laughs> the key is inside like the murder weapon. Ta-da. It's also like the Maltese Falcon, right? Yeah, it does. It does have. Um, I mean, this is pretty classic. Which actually trope. was before. This is one of the few references we can make <laughs> where something happened before this Doctor Who episode we're talking about. And there was an episode of Matlock, not to bring him back, that involved a key that was sort of hidden in a, a, a device. You know, Jonathan, you can always talk about Matlock, because I love that show. Well, we'll save that for the Matlock podcast. Oh, my God. Coming soon. I liked his red-headed <laughs> assistant check. She was cool. We need an actual attorney on there. Yeah. And if you need someone for your Matlock podcast or has never seen Matlock, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. You guys can all be guests on my Jane Austen podcast, because I be, have any of you... I know Bay's read Pride and Prejudice. Any Janeites out there? Yeah, I've read some. All right, Jonathan. I'm not a Janeite, though. You were, you were with me. I, I did think that it was funny that, like, they have to get one parting shot for, you know, um, I guess uh, the, the educational value in here where the doctor is, you know, explaining that they should um, read Piro or something. Oh, P- Poirot? Right. Was he talking about Agatha Christie? No, no, I think... It was- no, he was, he was talking about an ancient skeptic. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. And he's like, my beautiful boy, I taught the man. <laughs> 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 and then they teleport away. Oh, just side note from, because I'm looking at Johnny's notes right now. Uh, the doctor kept referring to Ian as Chesterton. I'm like, who's Chesterton? Uh, oh, that's Ian's last name. He's just really formal. Actually, he's using his real name now. Which yeah, is yeah. Nice I was about to say, by this point, he's just, he's batting a thousand. <laughs> because usually he calls him things like Chatterton. Right. Or Chesterman. <laughs> or Chesterman. <laughs> Now is that is that the actor forgetting the name or is that the doctor just like not caring about people's names? It's much like the number of licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll pop. Oh. The world may never know. <laughs> okay, fair. Well, there is one instance in this episode in um, episode 5 in fact 
whereas written, the line, you know, the doctor says something like, I can't improve, um, I can't prove. That wasn't a flub. That was actually what Terry Nation wrote into the script to, you know, take advantage of Hartnell's tendency to forget lines. <laughs> so now it's becoming part of the character. Oh, that's funny. Wow. And that is a line that William Hartnell nailed I was going to say, perfectly. he remembered the line that's a purposeful flub. <laughs> yeah. ah, ah. Yep. The Ouroboros is eating beautiful. its own tail. So that was a flub that was absolutely written into that's the cool script. That's cool that they just go with it. Okay, yeah, I like Terry Nation now. <laughs> I just like his name. I still don't. Terry Nation. <laughs> it it definitely like it, it sounds like it should come like right after Dick Wolf, right? right? Like it's like, like, like yeah, horror, Terry Nation. Of course he writes these <laughs> dunk, dunk. crazy sci-fi horror scripts for TV Terry Nation. It's a Terry Nation story brought to you by Terry Nation. Like audience, you just heard the moment my rating changed. <laughs> just have to say, donk donk. Okay, can we please finish this up? Because okay, I don't yes. even know what's going on. So they're back so, with Arbiton. Oh, and, ooh, but he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Ar- Arbiton is dead. And when they turn their travel dials and move back to you know uh, his pyramid, we've got Yartek and uh, and the rest of the Vord there. Isn't this the point where like they don't leave somehow? <laughs> I was I was kind of surprised, right? Because you also have Althos and uh, Sabatha, and for some reason, again, everybody is split up. They've been taken captive like immediately, and we we also have the Vord possessing knowledge that you know both they shouldn't have and the audience doesn't have. Because for some reason, like, they have figured out that Althos and, uh, and Sabatha are in love. Like, that what? I know that came out of nowhere. Not to mention the fact that they, like, reappear at the TARDIS and there's no force field. And they're like, yeah, we'll stay. Yeah, well, yeah none of this made any sense, right? All the- well, they have to say goodbye to their new friends. <laughs> oh, but, like, at the so same time. Dumb. It made no sense. <sighs> okay. I do feel the They're need to love. make an Altos, Porthos, and Aramis joke, though, now. Oh, yeah, it's, it's impossible not. <laughs> I'm finger gunning all over the... Yeah, I nailed it! The six musketeers. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> uh, the, who made the joke last episode that the Vord guy was, like, big bad wolfing as, like, the grandma with, like, the hood Yeah, he, Oh, that was me. Sorry. <laughs> Th- this, this is, like, the big plan to trick Ian to, you know... Uh, giving him all the Dragon Balls. Right. Arbitan, you seem different. Don't come any closer. I just have a head cold. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it does seem uh, kind of ridiculous that this would fool Ian. So it's it's kind of cool that they bring out that that uh, fake key that, you know, we've talked about for double, the last few episodes. What is it? Like a double... Double cross. Like, Ian's just like, I was just pretending to be stupid. I believed. <laughs> I believed no that he was going to give him the key. I was yelling at the TV, like, you are a moron. Uh, well, I believe that Ian is actually that stupid. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Ian's done so many stupid things. Just left, you know, Winter yeah! Monk on the <laughs> wrong side of the bridge. And oh, I, I was just told it was full of traps, and I got trapped. <laughs> Let's not forget that sweater. And, oh, look at the biology. Oh my gosh, you guys. Maybe Ian's character arc through this entire serial is that now he has some suspiciousness. Oh, that now he's a skeptic? Yeah, now he's like, well, maybe I shouldn't just trust everybody on this alien world. Maybe I should actually listen to Barbara one time out of every 30. Maybe I should care about something other than my sweater. Now that he's been imprisoned and on trial for murder 
Hey, you know, you're talking about the sweater, but but his outfit's been on fleek this entire serial. Yeah, that like bad at like the Chinese <laughs> robe. Yeah. That's true. For some inexplicable reason, the machine, if you start it up without the appropriate keys, uh, it will self-destruct. It will... Um, okay, but that sounds a lot like my work computer, so I buy it. <laughs> this is totally believable for 1960s technology, 100%. And for government technology well, that I a, possess now, so... It's a bit of a shame, you know, like, seeing as this technology is unable to be reproduced. But it just, it manipulates your mind and your thoughts? I'm okay with it not working. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, like, the other thing is, is this was a, a really cool thing that I thought we didn't that didn't get enough attention, but let's, it's, you know, it's one of those Terry nation kind of stumbling into something awesome, but never talking about it again. Things that we've been seeing this entire series so far where he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this computer and it like, it, it, it controls your mind. It makes everybody like peaceful. And like, there's all these implicate frogman. Yeah. 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 We definitely (laughs) talked about this in the last episode that that went nowhere. And I thought that this whole last episode would be like a scathing indictment on fascism. But no, I mean, they accidentally blow it up, right? They blow it up because they give him the fake key because he's not Arbitam. They don't blow it up because there's a discussion about the dangers of mind control and taking away people's free will. (laughs) They just Scooby-Doo swap it out and then... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, mind control is only bad if disembodied brains are doing it. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. If a kindly monk guy is doing it, it's fine. That's true. If the old white dude is doing it, it's probably good for you. Yeah. Honestly, the old white dude's just firing up his computer. Yeah, but it, look what happened. It just blew up. It's like when your grandpa... And also, to can we can we talk about how, like, cavalier Yartek was with that key? He was like, I'm going to wait for uh, such and such to get back. And then he's like, never mind, YOLO. I'm just going to put this thing in here. <laughs> 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 and then, <laughs> predictably, right? This is what happens when you split the party. A <laughs> whole ton of dings for the... Um... Yartek and his... Crappy frogmen. Yeah, later, board. <laughs> Peace out, board. Yeah. We'll meet again one day, right? No. We get that, you know, uh, video game level where, you know, suddenly we've got to escape the pyramid. And they're back outside. Uh, we have a kind of an awkward leaving scene. At this point, I was really just ready for the episode yeah, to just wrap end. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truth. But here you finally get a message about, you know, they finally address the mind control machine. And it's just like one line where the doctor's <laughs> like, yeah, uh, Sabbath, uh, uh, man wasn't made to be controlled by machines, yada, yada, yada. P.S. Sorry, your dad died, whatever. <laughs> yeah. We out. But they're not men, also. I'm just saying, they're aliens. What? Right. Only, only men maybe, can dispense justice, maybe. and then Barbara's like, I am no man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know, doctor, because I kind of went to Justice Town on those brains, and it felt pretty good. <laughs> I like how sanguine Sabatha was, too. Like, the doctor was just, like, being like, yep, you know, well, man's mind is not to be controlled, and yeah, sorry about your dad dying. And she's like, yeah. It's kind of a bummer. He was old. It was his time. Oh, well, back to fascist town <laughs> yeah, with my boyfriend. Like 
Vorn's in there, I think. Oh. The Vorn, I'm telling you, the Vorn have, like, excellent relationship, Dar. They, like, nailed that right away. I, I didn't know if, like, their travel dials would still work now. Are they trapped on a sea of acid? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm on Glass Island forever now. That is a good point. Later. <laughs> well, they have the stuff. Sorry, I'm just really enjoying the image of the Vorn being, like, like catty high school kids. <laughs> They seem a little close to you. Do you like him? Check yes or no. I think they kissed. They've been watching. This is actually just a rom-com. They've been like heavily involved in this uh, rom-com here between Altus and Sabatha. They're really stupid names, by the way. So they're invested. So, Shawnee, uh, under normal circumstances, this would be the part of the episode where you turn to us and say, what did you think? Yeah, so I guess we're up to reactions now. Let's let's start with our our guests actually this time. Jonathan? Um I was actually impressed with the the series. Um uh, I I thought it was pretty efficient and cool writing to just have this MacGuffin of the five keys and then you have to give you can do uh, a bunch of different stories. I liked the um Scarlet Web and I liked the you know when they're the, doing the courtroom drama. I think that has a lot of the elements of the the great movie uh Witness for the Prosecution mixed up in there although they don't quite align properly. There was some potential there but uh, I think in on the whole the, the execution was like a little off. Uh, I didn't like the snow episode. I liked the adventure elements of the screaming jungle. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh, of other cool stuff that I've seen. I was very, I was more forgiving of the the bad sets and stuff than I thought I'd be. I, I knew a little bit about the reputation of these early episodes of having kind of bad sets, and but I, I you know, from talking to you guys, I've I've learned. Uh, about the conditions under which these were made so um with what little they had i was pretty impressed so would you um would you give it like a thumbs up a meh thumbs down overall I, uh, maybe a, th- a thumb three quarters of the way <laughs> up it's uh, <laughs> like some of the episodes yeah th- don't quite hold up but um the concept's pretty good all right and uh yo wife <laughs> wait what <laughs> uh that's weird uh no i actually almost completely agree i think jonathan's bang on as someone who had a super low bar and super low expectations going in to the cla- my first classic who episodes and like i said been afraid to watch them because it would take away from my love of the new who uh i enjoyed it i thought it was fun um I remember talking to Bay while we were watching and saying, this is pretty good. He goes, are you kidding? This is awful. But I never, I didn't have any benchmark. You know, I hadn't seen any other classic Who episodes, like the ones you guys have watched yet. And I enjoyed it. Sometimes the pacing was poor and dragged. But I thought it was at its best with the adventure elements and when the characters worked together to solve specific problems. So when you're actively trying to escape the escape rooms that the Terry Nation had set up, I thought that was when it was actually at its best, when the characters got to do solve problems, dispense justice. That was the stuff I really liked. Um, The parts where the plot defied my expectations, such as the female villain um, in the next to last episode, were also very interesting and exciting for me as a viewer. I would definitely give, give thumbs up if it is not your first 
experience with Doctor Who. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, if you were Bay, I wouldn't say, oh, you start with the Keys of Marinus. Uh, yeah, definitely It'll not. really <laughs> give you a taste for the series. Uh, but if someone hasn't seen the classic Who, for sure, watch it. It's fun. Well, thank you. You're so uh, I'll, I mean, I'll go ahead and go next, even though uh, Mag's totally put me on blast. So I was less a fan of this particular serial. In talking with you guys, I, I found my appreciation for it. I still have to say, like, I really liked two of the six episodes, which for me is not enough. You know, the the Velvet Web was really good. Um, It's a standout for for this particular serial. It felt a lot like the Daleks in some ways, which is unfortunate because, you know, I already kind of expected that from Terry Nation. So it felt like a, a... redo and and could have been its own serial um i would have liked more time with those brains i really liked the courtroom drama i i thought it was another standout i was less interested in the you know more i guess adventurous episodes you know in jungles or in in uh blizzards Uh, i thought everything with you know the pyramid on the sea of death it just it just didn't really grab me as much as those other two. Um, so I want to give this one a meh. I will say, however, that I like this serial better than The Edge of Destruction, which is going to make Shawnee cry. So you can't be bothered to put your thumb up or down. You're just going to hold out your arm lacklusterly. Like, like a wet noodle. Like, <laughs> Well, this is the, I mean, I'll be honest, this is the closest I have come to a mat. I've, I've been a pretty solid thumbs up the whole time. Um, and I, I really, really thought this one was going to go meh for me, but like there was just so much going on. It, it changed so quickly that even though it was ultimately shallow, you know, it was kind of like an, like an ice cream tasting or something. Like there was just so much going on that overall I came out of the experience being like, yeah, I'd do that again. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, it's, this is absolutely the closest I've ever come to not giving a thumbs down, but it just, it just edges over the top. I felt the transitions were a little awkward. I felt it was a little rushed, but they crammed so much into it and not only that but the amount of novelty that came from what i later learned was essentially just a toss off rushed script was impressive to me and you know that plus uh the deliberate flub parody line was enough to put it into <laughs> thumbs up territory for me but just barely but you wouldn't know that unless you had shawnee like sitting in your living room the whole time i know com- commentary. i know i know and hey, you know what? I'm a simple man. I can't separate myself. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> but it's definitely the closest I've ever come. It's it's despite the fact that it was so novel and it had so many good like moments, it definitely had some really shining moments. Like again, I have to say the moment where they are struggling to solve the escape room before the vines close in was awesome. Despite its lack of t- tense music. It was excellent. Um, there were some really good moments, but it wasn't like what I would call solid overall. But it just edged into thumbs up for me. I, I will say that if you don't like one of the episodes, just hang on and yeah. you'll find one you like. 
And I remember telling Bay, too, that a lot of this, the problems with the sets, the pro- even the problems with the writing, the performances are almost un- are pretty strong universally. Everyone's good. And mm-hmm. that's get, that saves it a lot of the time for me. Like, I believe it's that true. they're in danger, even point. if the vines are, like, clearly being pulled by string, you know, whatever. They're freaking out, and I believe it. Yeah, it was good. So, uh, with me... I am kind of all over the place with this one, and I don't know if our rating system could cover it, because it's like the um, Velvet Web is definitely a thumbs up. I'd probably give a thumbs up to the third episode as well. I liked the jungle escape room. Um, I'm kind of meh on the courtroom drama. Snows of Terror is a thumbs down, so I'm kind of all over the place. So I I don't know. This is definitely the weakest of the five stories that we've oh, watched great. Thanks so for having far. me on, guys. We're really <laughs> you, the you get to do feminism and, and, and assault. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's I'll meaty. always have that. That's meaty. I'd kind of rate this one episode by episode. I guess it kind of averages out to a meh, but I do kind of also have a soft spot for this story. Why do you have a soft spot? Mostly the brains. Mostly the Velvet Web. Plus, I I do enjoy the adventure serial mm-hmm. aspect to it. The whole you know feel of a uh, old timey ten minute long three movie serial yeah. type. It, deal. it is unique in terms of the kinds of episodes we've seen so far. I just feel like it was luckily good. Yeah. You know, like Terry Nation was just like, <laughs> I'm lazy. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to throw some crap out there. And then, you know, it ended up being interesting overall. And it's just, oh, how do you do it, Terry? Velvet Web and Sc- is it Screaming Jungle? Is that right? Those two would have made really great standalone Doctor Who episodes. Like, you remove the key conceit. And if you just make it about survival, it would still be really interesting, I think. Oh, yeah. I agree. And Absolutely. so it's almost a shame that they're bookend, they're stuck in the middle of this kind of surrounded by medioc- uh, mediocrity when those two would have been just really cool on their own, fully fleshed out. Right. Absolutely. I'd love to see, you know, those two giving four to six episodes on their own. And you might be able to turn the courtroom mm. drama into something interesting and, you know, sensible as <laughs> uh, well. All I have to say to you, Shawnee, is fanfic. <laughs> we can make it happen. So we're kind of varied between thumbs up and meh here. I was kind of unsure where we'd land on this one because as i said the episodes are are all over the place but let's take a look well first we'll look at what the viewing numbers were like when it originally aired episodes one to four stuck with the nine to four nine point four to 10.4 million viewer range i guess when you only have two channels but still that seems shows would kill for those numbers now on uh basic network well, it dropped down to 7.9 million for episode yeah. five and down to 6.9 million for that episode six. Uh, they just couldn't make it through the blizzard. Yeah. They, they froze out there. They, they all watched that and said, oh, not another ordeal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the um, general consensus to this story is um, most people rated about three to five out of 10. Wow. Woof. Yeah. A 2008 poll had this at number 160 out of 200. And in a later poll, 
it dropped down to number 192. There were more episodes by that time. Wow, we are far too forgiving. A modern day review um, praised it for its episodic structure. Uh, Some people have referred to it as endearingly stupid, (laughs) which, you know, I'll agree with that. Yeah, that's, you know, as I said, I have a soft spot for it. And I think endearingly stupid suits this one pretty well. That's how people describe me. (laughs) (laughs) It's been praised for the whole evil brain thing. They like that concept and just all sorts of the weird ideas Mm -hmm. that you get, like the acid sea and the glass beach, that odd courtroom drama. Do any elements from this series um, like continue on into the Doctor Who uh, mythos or something? A lot of things you don't really see again. Like, you don't really... I mean, you do see some more disembodied brains every once in a while. Well, that's good. I thought the... What is it that the computer... The something consciousness, right? Conscious of Marinus? I thought that might play into something later, which I won't give away, but no, it doesn't. I was wrong. Totally not. Well, it's too bad because the conscience of Marinus is like a really cool concept, right? It seems like something you could build a much better story around. Well, that seems to be the theme of all of these episodes, right? Like, there's some really cool ideas and concepts and themes, and but it just it lacks the execution and the good writing. Yeah, and that's sort of the things that this story's been criticized for. The lack of development for each mini-adventure. The fact that the budget is obviously stretched well beyond the limits. The people have complained that the supposed villains of this story are barely in it. It's true. You get the void for a combined total of, like, one episode. Honestly, I also was kind of rooting for the Vord. Yeah, are they really the villains? I think that this, uh, oh god, what's this? I've already forgotten. What is the Jedi guy? What is the, like, old Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi guy's Barbatan. name? Barbatan. Oh, barbecue, right. Barbatan. Barbatan's, like, trying to mind control an entire planet. <laughs> what do we have now? Barbecue? I just thought... We've got- <laughs> <laughs> you just see, like, I don't know, I was getting serious, like, Alec Guinness vibes from him, this whole... This whole series, like, I just kept having these, like... So, like, when I was really young, I, um, you know, I grew up on, like, kind of early Nickelodeon back when they were like, just fill airtime! And they just, like, <laughs> put a bunch of weird animation on there, like, Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea and all this other, like, weird French animation, like, uh, like, La Matre de Temps and, like... All this other weird French stuff. Let's just like mash up everything into a show called Kablam. Right. Or like, but no, like pre oh, like, like, that. Like, like, oh, yeah. Like Moebius stuff. And it's like, I just, this, I kept flashing back to that kind of stuff. Like the, like the Moebius, like Yodorowsky collaborations where it's just like a fever dream of, of bizarre premises that just kind of like segue into each other and you know once again it's my own context but that just like i just i loved it and that's what kept me from giving it a mad it's just it was just so high concept wackadoo (laughs) back and forth somehow worked even though it's garbage (laughs) liquid liquid television exactly other things that have been complained about with this one a lot of people have just said that when the void are in the episode They are just, the quote is completely hopeless. Say, flinging themselves into death traps. (laughs) 
and slipping on their flippers. I mean, our <laughs> first encounter with a Vord is he got a hole in his suit and died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you also have, you know, the lack of the doctor for two whole episodes. Yeah, that's a problem. The lack of stakes, really, if you think about it, where there's no real time limit to their adventure or anything like that. The Vord don't chase them throughout their journeys or anything. It's just like, eh, found a key, off to the next place. Oh, that would have been interesting if there was a Vord with a time dial like them who kind of like was following them. Oh, that would have been cool. <laughs> nope. That that would have been something. No good writing. Yeah. But that would, we all know how that would have gone. It would have just like at the end, there would have been a board sneak, you know, hiding behind an obvious pillar. Like, Drat, miss them again. Gotta go to the next stop. <laughs> or the board gets stabbed by one of those like ice giants or something. Yeah. The board falls off a chasm. There was one reviewer who compares this serial to a video yes. game, which, you know, we've done a few times throughout. You know, there's different levels. The characters need to find some sort of MacGuffin before moving on. So, you know, I guess what we could say here is that the Keys of Marinus inspired video games. Crappy, crappy video games. I mean, that's a <laughs> bit of a stretch, but yes. <laughs> Just so you know, there is, as a matter of fact, an old NES game called Time Lord that is awful. Oh. And very similar to this, it is a series of loosely connected scenarios through different time periods slash worlds, and it sucks, and nobody cool. liked it. And it was written by Terry Nation. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, reactions at the time when this um, came out, yeah, reviewers pointed to the same sort of things. Uh, they actually pointed to the courtroom drama episode as the low point of the series thus huh. far. Of course, that was when it's like, well, this whole Doctor Who thing is over, I guess. Yeah, we'll see how yeah. accurate they were with that. Carol Ann Ford absolutely hated this story. She hated the way that Susan was portrayed throughout it. Uh, she thought, you know, even for Susan, she was being portrayed as too childlike and pathetic. Su Susan actually is she not... She didn't do that She much. didn't do... Yeah, she yeah. should have taken the vacation. So, yeah, Carol Ann Ford wasn't very happy with this story. I mean, I'm sure nobody was happy since they were in a studio that smelt of monkey <laughs> urine from the last uh, story. And episode three, the jungle one, was accused of plagiarism. Oh. Whoa. Yeah, so there was a writer named Robert Gould who had previously pitched a, stor a story for the show. That was about plants that treat people as people treat Weird. plants. That was pretty much his entire description. I'd watch that. The head of serials, Donald Wilson, asked David Whitaker about this. And Whitaker's just like, nah, Terry Nation came up with this idea independently. Furthermore, we turned down Robert Gould's story because it was pretty much a ripoff of Dave the Triffids. Oh, that's true. Yeah, mm. Dave the Triffids have been around by this point. That is the Keys of Marinus. So next time, we'll go to the Aztecs and the return of another writer, this time John Lucarotti, the writer of 
Marco Polo is back to give us his take cool. on the And I'm sure text. the depiction of native cultures will be treated with utmost respect and historical accuracy. And it will not at all be boring or repetitive. I'm 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 ready. I don't know. Should I watch it? I'm not I'm not required to watch it for the podcast, so I don't know. Should I continue with this classic Who experiment? Join us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I don't want to say like deal because afterwards you might be like, oh gosh, why did I ask her on the air? I guess you could always edit it out. I'm not going to say anything about it, so I'm not going to, you know, poison anybody's minds or make you, you know, think that it's the greatest thing ever or what. I like to be surprised. Yeah, me too. Do I don't want to be spoiled? So I guess I would like to thank Maggie and Jonathan for joining us. Maggie, any last uh, words for us? No, just thank you for letting me join you. I had a really great time discussing the episodes. It was fine. It was cool to finally watch Classic Who. Um, I guess I'll give a shout out to my own podcast. If you like Jane Austen, check out my podcast with one of my great friends, Kristen. It's called First Impressions Podcast. We talk about the novels, the adaptations, the movies. All of that, you can find us on any podcast listening platform or our Facebook page. And I'm just really happy to have joined you guys. I had a great time. This was really fun. I love Doctor Who. So seeing the first Doctor was really, really cool. All right. Thank you. Yeah, um, this was fun. Um, it's a was a cool introduction to um, the early episodes. I look forward to hearing more about it and talking about some of the history episodes later. Um, and also just be sure to uh, synchronize your travel dials. <laughs> Jonathan and I are actually going to start our own Classic Who podcast. So thanks for having us and giving us the idea. <laughs> no! He just points out every logical inconsistency and plot failure, and then I just yell at him to stop asking questions. It's super entertaining. <laughs> I can't wait to point out historical inaccuracies, too, so. Yeah. Should I mention I was a history double major? So it's going to be great. <laughs> nice. Bay, go ahead and say goodbye, and then Andy, and then I'll go. Goodbye, and then Andy, and then I'll go. Now do that again in a sensible way, please. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Um, and uh, we will see you uh, at the next stop. Yeah, thanks everybody, and uh, you know, try not to turn into cardboard and fall down a pit. <laughs> oh wait, you guys, I'm just gonna go ahead and set my travel down now. Okay, bye. Yeah, okay. She jumped ahead a few episodes. Yeah, I think that she skipped ahead to the Romans. So anyway, I'd like to say uh, goodbye. Please um, follow us, rate us, subscribe. Uh, you could talk at us at our Twitter at dr underscore who's underscore that. You could email us at that at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook group. And just remember, DE302. Goodbye. <laughs>